Thank you. It is a privilege to be here, an honor to be here uh, with you all. These familiar faces that I've seen many times, and some are uh, new faces. It's good to see the church growing as well. Uh, The Paradise Valley Christian Church has a long history with Summit Christian College. And so part of me feels like, well, they already know. What are you going to get up and say? It's been a long history with pastors and uh, teachers and missionaries that have come from here are still here. Uh, But some of you are new. You might not know. We're a four-year college. We have associates and bachelor's degrees that we offer. We're in western Nebraska, and our one emphasis is training people for ministry, whether that's missions, Christian education, the pastoral ministry. That is our one focus. We're just laser-sighted on that. That's the way it's been since the college started seven decades ago. Uh, That's been the focus and continues to be the focus. Um, I just want to give you a little information on the brochures that are out here, that if you know somebody that would be interested in attending a college, Christian college, and thinking about ministry, or just wanting to get to know the Lord more, to know the Bible more, um, there's information out there that will give you some insight. This one, uh, this pamphlet right here gives a list of the degrees that we offer and the cost of tuition and those sort of things. So if you have information that you want to know about that, you can pick this one up. Uh, This one here is if you're interested in giving and you're asking the question, well, is it worth it? Because sometimes we ask that question when we're going to give. We ask the question, well, is is that a good place to give to? Is it worth it? Is it going to the right things? Uh, Somebody broke down all the numbers and showed you what it is, cost per student that graduates and those sort of things. And uh, let me just mention one of the things that we have held to and are very big on is students graduating debt free. We want people to go out into the ministry and not be hindered by a large debt. I know many people in ministry that have gone out into ministry and it's just troubling because they have this shackle of forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars of debt that they owe. And, you know, if you're gonna be real about it, most people coming out of school, going into a ministry, aren't entering into a mega church where they're gonna make six figures, right? They're gonna go in and help rural churches. They're going to help smaller churches that aren't able to give them a large salary. And so, or those who go on the mission field are going to have to raise support to go on the mission field. And have to go on to raise support to go on the mission field and then also to raise that support to pay for a school debt. It can be very crippling. And I've got stories I could tell you about that if you'd like to hear. <laughs> uh, so uh, if you're interested in, in giving to Summit Christian College and you want some more information, this would be the pamphlet for you. Um, Also, we have a Voice of the Church Forum coming up. This is the second one where we've hosted. This is where church leaders, elders, missionaries, pastors come together, church people, anybody's welcome. And we talk about basically the state of the church and areas that need strengthened because of our culture, the culture we live in, the things that are taking place, and see how we can support each other in that, how the college might come alongside the churches as well to help. If you're interested in that, that card's out there. And then also, we have uh, seminars that we offer that are available online. Uh, Zoom, they're free, that we offer to anybody who'd like to participate. And so we've had five of them this semester. We have two left that are coming up. April 11th, we have the Risen Christ. This is by our new professor, Jeff McKean. And it's examining one of the earliest documents that record the eyewitness accounts of the resurrected Christ and the implications for us today. 
And then May 9th, Dave Robinson will be leading one called The Lion and the Lamb. And this is Images of Jesus in the Book of Revelation. And then this summer, I'll be offering a four-week, um, once a week, I'll do a, a session on Isaiah 40 to 55, which is called The Servant Song. So we get a chance to hone in a little bit on that servant song in Isaiah 40 to 55. There's a lot of things coming up for the college. We have our annual Summit to Summit, which is a 7.2-mile run from the Summit College to the summit of the Scotts Bluff National Monument. If you're super active and want to run that, um, it's, a, it's a pretty strenuous run. Uh, we were actually in the Runner's World magazine for that. Uh, they put an article in there about that run. A lot of runners like it. If you're not a runner and you want to walk it, it's a nice, comfortable walk, too. For the most part. <laughs> uh, the college also offers all sorts of other events and things. We've had, uh, you know, pony rides and a hot air balloon that came in and helicopters and fire trucks and uh, just all sorts of stuff, bounce houses. And we try to make an event out of it so everybody can enjoy the time. It's a way for us to give back to the community we're at um, as well. So we also do a golf-a-thon. That's coming up if you like to golf. You can golf in place here, or you can actually come to Scotts Bluff and at the Scotts Bluff Country Club and spend the day golfing there. Um, there's a mission trip coming up where we're taking youth to Baja, California, Mexico. Um, when I first heard they're going to Baja, California, I thought they were going to California. I didn't know that there was a California, Mexico, but now I know. So there's a mission trip that will be taking place in Mexico coming up over spring break. A lot of other things going on. If you have any questions, uh, comments, or concerns about the college that you can share with me, that I can uh, share with you, uh, what I might know, I'll be standing at the table out there at the end of the service and uh, would enjoy talking to anybody who would like to get more information or even just to say hi. Our website and all that's available out there too where you can get all sorts of information that you would like to get. All right, on to the message. All right. <laughs> so my <coughs> grandpa, he lived with us for the last three years of his life. And one of the things that he did religiously was watch Judge Judy. He would watch every day. And there was times that I would sit down and I would watch with him. And there was, a f there was something that she would say in her judgments where she was trying to, to find out the truth that stuck with me. And what it was when somebody would try to say somebody's character, you know, they'd say, oh, well, they just came in and they were so mad. They were really mean. Judge Judy would say, stop. She said, that's a conclusion. What did they say? What did they do? She didn't want to hear what that person thought. She wanted to know exactly what happened. What did they say? What did they do? And that was even on the positive side. If somebody said, I would never do that. I love them, you know. Well, what did you say? What did you do? To say that you love is a conclusion. To say that somebody's mean is a conclusion. Let's see the real evidence, what comes out of the mouth and what happens with the hands, right? And today I want us to look at some words of Jesus. What did he say? In light of what did he do? And what we're going to see, the conclusion, that Jesus loves us. That Jesus is for us. That Jesus has this great desire for us. And he's done everything necessary for us to receive that. 
And one of the things I want you to think about as we go into this uh, and read Jesus' prayer here, it's Jesus' prayer in John 17. One of the things I want you to think about as we go into this prayer is some of the things that Scripture says are qualifications, if you will, for answered prayer. You have to love God. You have to be seeking the will of God. He's praying for others. It's not a self-centered prayer. Remember, James says that if we pray with selfish motives, we don't get what we're praying for. James also says that the righteous, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Jesus was righteous, flawless, without sin, everything that he said and did. And so as we start reading this prayer, I want you to think about this. The answer to this prayer is yes. Because he's praying God's will. He's praying with God's love. He's praying for other people. He's praying with a pure heart, with righteousness and sincerity. Not self-serving at all. And we know when Jesus prayed earlier, he lifts up his eyes and he says, Father, I know that you always hear me. The Father heard this prayer. John 17, we'll start with verses 1 through 8. And Jesus, as Jesus, after Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. For you have granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. Jesus begins this prayer, and he says, Father, the time has come. Well, the time has come for what? He's about to go to the cross. He's finishing his earthly ministry. That's what he says. He says, I have finished the work that you've given me, to do and he's leaving his disciples here on earth let me ask you this if you were at the end of your life that you know those you loved here that your conversation with them face to face would cease that the work that you have done here in the world is about ready to be finished it's about ready to end you're coming to the end of your life how would you pray for those that you love what would your prayers be? What would your prayers be centered around as you think about those that you're about to leave? Well, for Jesus, he talks about his labor here, the work that he's done, and it was a labor of love. Love for the Father. Father, I've glorified you. I've done what you've called me to do. I've given them your word. I've given them your name. And he goes to the cross. And his love for the Father, but also for the love for us, for people. 
And we're going to see that in his prayer. But imagine if when Jesus dies, that's the end of his life. That's just the end of his ministry. No more fruit. Nothing else happens. See, and what Jesus is praying here for is he's praying for fruit. Lord, I'm about to finish this work. Let this work be meaningful. Let this work have an impact. Let this work work its way into the lives of these people, my disciples and those who would hear after. Don't let this work fall to the ground, Father. Jesus' work was not intended to be without fruit. He did things like fed multitudes so the people would know that he's the bread of life. He washed feet so that they would know the full extent of his love. He washed so that his bride might be radiant and clean. He healed the paralytic so that people would know that he has the authority to forgive sins. He came not to be served, but to serve. He came to seek and save the lost. What benefit would his work be if it was all done in love, but it didn't produce anything? And Jesus prayed, Lord, I'm asking you to produce something with the work I'm doing. I'm asking you to do something with the death that I'm about ready to go to, to offering myself up on the cross. He's praying for his work to remain, and he's praying for those who will continue to do his work. I'm going to read on verses 9 through 12. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they still are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they might be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None of them have been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Jesus prays to the Father and he says, Lord, would you keep them in your name? To remain in God's name is to stay in the life that he stands for. The character that he has what he has revealed, the life that he has given is to remain in him. To pursue another way of thinking or another way of living is to, to remove yourself from the name of God or to not remain in the name of God. And it really is practical. When we love our neighbor, when we help the poor, when we ask for forgiveness, when we love our enemy, when we deal honestly with people, with integrity, we remain in his name. When we cheat people, exploit the less fortunate, when we hate our enemy, when we use falsehood to try to get gain, we've just stepped outside of his name. And Jesus says, while I was with them, I kept them in your name. He kept teaching and correcting and warning and instructing 
and encouraging and drawing people's thoughts and their minds and their hearts back into what it means to love the Father, to serve the Father, to obey the Father, to remain in the Father's will and in his grace. But now he's going back to the Father. And so he's praying, God, I won't be with them physically. Keep them in your name. There's a world full of lust and false teaching and anger and powerful forces that seek to draw them away from you. And Father, if you don't keep them in your name, they're not going to be able to stand. They can't do it on their own. We can't do it on our own. And he asked the Father, please keep them in your name. He also prays here many times, we'll read on where he says even more, that they may be one as we are one. He says, Lord, I have given them your glory that we might be one. This oneness here is he wants to share in fellowship with us. He wants us to share in fellowship. He wants us to share in his character. He wants us to share in his mission. And when you read through this prayer, you see that's exactly what he's asking God. As we read on, you're going to see that he says, I want them to have my joy to the full. I want them to share joy, the joy that I have. But he also says, I was hated by the world. And they're going to share in that too. The world will hate them as it has hated me. There's a oneness there between Christ and his people. He says, I'm not of the world, and neither are they of the world but they're in the world. That's a oneness. He says, I've sanctified myself for them. Please sanctify them. Just as I have been set apart to reveal your love, just as I have been set apart to bring them into your name, just as I have been set apart by your truth, I'm asking you to sanctify them by your truth, that they too might be sanctified and one with us. He says, as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them. That's a oneness. He says, the glory that you gave me, I have given to them. And he says, as you have loved me, Father, so I want them to know you love them. The love you've given to me, I have given to them. That's all oneness. That's not Jesus standing far apart from us and saying, you know what, I'm going to do something for them dirty, rotten sinners, and they should just be grateful. This is Jesus saying, I want to be in this relationship with them. I want them to know you. I want them to love you. I want them to have your joy. I want them to have your forgiveness. I want them to have your peace. I want them to have your protection. I want them to have your purpose in their life. I want them to be one with me. Wow, aren't those loving words? This oneness is based on a sharing relationship with the Father and with the Son. I'm going to read on verses 13 through 19. Jesus says, I'm coming to you now, but he's, I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. 
My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And for them, I sanctify myself, that they too may truly be sanctified. His prayer is, Lord, I've guarded them in your name, but I'm leaving. And I'm asking you to guard them from the evil one. Protect them. They will be hated like I was hated. They're not of the world like I'm not of the world. I'm sending them out into the world as you've sent me out into the world, but protect them. Give them the strength. Give them the courage. Give them the ability to face a world that's going to come in opposition to them, to me, to the teaching that I have given them. See, they're not going to be protected from the hatred, God. They're not going to be protected from the persecution. They're protected by you. The hatred will still come. The persecution will still come. They're not protected in the sense that it's removed. It's protected in the sense that you have strength to endure it. You're protected in the sense that we stand strong in the Lord. But he's asking them. They're going to experience sorrows. They're going to experience heartache. They're going to experience They're going to experience hardship that's going to hit at the very depth of their person. Might even cause them to want to quit. Might even cause them to think it's not worth it. God, keep them from that. Protect them. I pray that they would have my joy in themselves. Joy to the full. Isn't that beautiful? Even amongst all of this, the world will hate them and there'll be persecution. I want them to have my joy. Hebrews tells us that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the suffering of the cross that he went through. There is a joy greater than suffering. He says, sanctify them or set them apart by your truth. I've given them your word. Let your word be in their heart. Set them apart by your truth as well. And I want to share this with you that every part of Jesus' life was him setting himself apart for us. There is not one part of Jesus' life that was selfish. Notice at the beginning of this prayer, he says, Lord, restore to me the glory, or in this prayer, the glory that I had with you before the foundation of the world. He took on flesh and dwelt among us. He did that for us. He set himself apart to go to the cross, to die. That wasn't for him, that was for us. The teachings that he said to us, they were for us, for our encouragement, for our conviction, so that we would repent, so that we would come to him, so that we would remain in him, so that we would know when things come at us, he could say, you know, this is going to happen. You can still be at peace, I'm with you. I'll never leave you for us and the scriptures say that even now christ lives to intercede for us and i'd be willing to bet that some of this prayer 
It's the same things he's interceding today on our behalf. When we come before him as high priest and we say we need help, and he's saying, Father, forgive them. Father, protect them. Father, put that joy in their hearts that comes from me. Father, show them the love that you have for them, the love that you gave to me that I gave to them. Pour that love into their hearts. Lord, there's opposition, and I know, I know that their knees are weak and their hands are weakening, but strengthen them. Strengthen them to endure. Strengthen them to overcome. Even now, Jesus is interceding for us. Let's read on, verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, as you are in me, and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, and you in me, so that we may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. I love this part of Jesus' prayer. He says, Father, I want them to be with me in glory. Father, I want them to see the glory that you've given me. He's asking that we would be right there with him in heaven. That when it's all said and done, we would be there with him. Father, I want them to be with me. I want them to see the glory. Righteous Father, they know that you sent me and I've made your name known. And I love this part too. I want the love with which you loved me to be in them. I want them to know the love that you have for me is the same love that you have for them. That actually blows my mind. Because I could see the Father loving Jesus immensely, always doing his will, always saying what he is, having the same nature, existing with him in harmony for eternity before. I could see him saying, yes, I love you, I love you, I love you exceedingly. But when I think of myself, hard for me to imagine that that God you love me with the same love that you love your son yes and this is what Jesus is praying I want them to know this I want them to know that you love them as you love me and I want them to know that I love them in the same way I think this is when Paul prays and he prays about God's love he says it's 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 inexpressible we can't really know it. Wherever, we, wherever you think that God's love stops, you're wrong. 
wherever you think that God's love stops, where it can't go anymore, you're wrong. Whenever I think that, I'm wrong. The scriptures are very clear about that. When we think, oh, death will stop God's love. Guess what? Not even death can stop God's love. When we think we've sinned too much, we've gone too far, there's no way God's going to keep loving us. God says, no, you don't judge my love for you on the way you love other people or the way you love yourself. My love is not like your love. In fact, I'm calling you to have a love like my love because your love is not like my love until I put my love inside of you. And then we love because he first loved us. See, and sometimes we think that his love stops short of forgiving us or of causing us to grow or, or staying with us. Whatever our minds can fathom of God's char- character and his love, it's more. That's what, that's what the scriptures say. It's more than you can think or imagine. This is the love the Father has for us, and this is the love that Jesus is praying for us. I want them to know your love. How would you feel hearing Jesus pray this prayer over you? Because he has. And he does. I mean, how would you feel if you were eavesdropping and you heard Jesus say that? pray for them see here's the thing i know my my giving you a a propositional list here and saying jesus prayed for this and he 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 prayed for this these are all signs of his love and that's really wonderful but it's nothing compared to how jesus prays you know what i'm saying we can put a proposition together and say jesus prayed this jesus prayed this jesus and those propositions aren't going to have the passion and the love and the desire and the hope that this prayer actually has in it. Take this prayer home and meditate on it today. And think about it. Think about how would Jesus pray this? Father. I want them to know you. And I don't mean know about you. I mean, I want them to know you. To really know you, to be one with you. Father, I want them to have your truth in their innermost being, in their heart and on their minds. Father, I want them to be glorified. Would you raise them from the muck and the mire? And I want them to be with me where I'm at in heaven really desire that they're there with me father would you bring them there would you allow them to come father i pray you protect them from the evil one who's going to whisper things to them and tell them no you've sinned too much you've gone too far the love has stopped would you protect them from that evil one would you pour your love into their hearts would you pour that forgiveness into their hearts Would you give them a new purpose in life just as you called me and sent me that that I could call them and send them to declare your love too? Oh, and Father, I want them to be filled with joy. I don't want their life to be miserable. I know there's going to be troubles, but fill them with the joy that I have in you, the joy, the strength, the joy of the Lord. Allow them to have, can you imagine? 
imagine the passion with which Jesus prayed for you and prayed for me and the love that he has and the desire that he has. And here's the thing. I started out by saying we have to have this insight into this prayer to know that God answered it. Yes. All these things he prayed are yes. And how did he answer that prayer? Yes. How did he demonstrate that this prayer was a yes? Yes, I will do all those things that you have asked, Jesus, my son. He answered it on the third day. Arise, my love. Arise, my love. Death no longer has its hold on you. No more death sting. No more suffering. Arise, arise, my love. That was his yes. Yes. In the resurrection, every promise of God was yes. That was the big amen, wasn't it? Let it be so. Arise. And Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father where he lives to intercede for us and he sent his spirit to dwell in us that we might be sanctified, that we might have strength to overcome, that he might put his word in our heart as he promises in the new covenant, that way we might do the work that he's called us to do, that we might have a joy that's inexpressible that the rest of the world goes, that makes absolutely no sense that we might know his love. He answered yes and raised Jesus and sent the Spirit. When I'm in a low point, I read this prayer and I say, it's a yes. God is willing. Jesus has asked for it. And not only did he ask for it, he paid the price for it. He gave his life that these things might be true in your life and they might be true in my life. Great encouragement. It's also great direction on how we should live our lives knowing that we can remain in his name. That we can remain in the answered yes of this prayer. Consider that Jesus prayed this prayer for you. Consider his desire for you. Consider his love. And then if somebody says to you, well, God loves you, you can say, wait a second. That's a conclusion. What did he say? What did he do? And there's a lot of words that Jesus spoke that you can hide in your heart, but this is one of them. This is what he said. I want them to be with me where I am. I want them to have my joy. I want them to have my glory. I want them to have my love. I want them to have them to have forgiveness that's what he desires and then what did he do you can imagine how far would you go for those people to have it and it was said today during the meditation as far as the east is from the west lord we thank you thank you for loving us so much 
and you have given us everything necessary for life and godliness. And I ask God that you would fix this prayer in our hearts. It was already said today that we don't wash ourselves before we take a shower. And I think this prayer shows us that you are asking the Father to do a work in us. Not that we have to come with perfection, but that we come realizing how much you love us, what you've done for us, this great desire that you have for us, and that that it's a yes. Almighty God, I want to pray for these precious people in here today. I can't pray anything better than what you prayed. I pray that they would recognize the love in this prayer. They would recognize the power of the prayers that come from your lips, Jesus. I pray that they would recognize that all these prayers are yes. That the Father's answered them. And I pray that we each would receive all these precious benefits, not because we deserve them, but because you offer them in your love. Thank you for loving us. We love you too. In Jesus' name, amen.